Just Move Podcast, episode two of season two. So I've labeled this one spot scouting as a general term. There's a lot of great things to do with the environment and how to navigate it and use it for training, for personal development. So I thought it's a worthwhile topic and I think in light of all the things that are happening in the world, it's good to focus on other things and not to ignore it, but move past and focus on the good things that we can still do. So yeah, Especially seeing as we're allowed outside now and can roam freely. Yeah, allowed and encouraged. We can go and find some spots to train, and we have been doing so. So as we've been doing that, we've been sort of wondering how people or how people approach finding spots. So Justin's going to enlighten us what to look for when going out and doing some training. So the first point is what to consider when interacting with an area for training or exploring. Yeah, so I'd say, especially when it comes to doing parkour training, most of the stuff we'll talk about could apply to other forms of keeping active, whereas it's outdoors and it's not just using a typical facility. But I'm going to focus a bit more on sort of how the depth of something like parkour can expose a lot more to being outdoors and to creative thinking. So to walk that fine line between something that looks pretty criminal or dangerous and hazardous and undefined and the right balance of something that is really beneficial for the practitioner without damaging their environment, I'd say it's worth consciously thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Always ask yourself why, that's a big one. So when it comes to uh, your training in general, besides the meditative aspects I think someone should focus on as to why you're doing it, is to establish what your goals are. And your goals can be determined by many different factors. It could be intrinsic, it could be extrinsic. You could be someone who reacts well to being exposed to new things or not. So not everyone is ready to kind of go out and put themselves in an environment where they may have less control over what they're doing or there's enough factors around a person that may distract them from the reason they're training in the first place. So taking a step back to establish what your training goals are and why you're doing it is a big one. So someone who is interested in doing parkour or someone who has a bit of experience in it probably consciously or unconsciously has had these conversations with themselves or they're seeking the answers to these so-called questions that you may have. So when you are going outside, it's worth it to kind of go from the approach of a bit of, let's say, maturity in this way. Okay, If you're going to go out and you have malintent or you're not conscious of your own ability, things will definitely show themselves to you in a way that will make it less safe or make it less enjoyable. Um, the energy around you, the people that may interact with you, even animals and elements of the obstacles of the environment, they, they will show you if you're being honest or not. So the main thing when you are scouting an area, so let's say you want to train, we have general goals, you want to improve our, our skills, our parkour, our ability to jump, our ability to climb, our ability to balance, move around a space, with grace and efficiency. The main element, of course, it seems logical, but there's a lot to it, is is your safety. So 
when you've got a new spot, it may call to you what you can do in it. So you may have a preconceived thing you want to work on. I want to do some balancing. So you may go out and find a, an area which provides that. Or you'll find a spot where the, the tools that you could use to do balance training may expose themselves to you. So with that in mind, if you're going to use an object or a, a part of the environment that suits your goal or suits what calls to you, your creative thinking, safety is still an important thing. So is that thing that you're using safe to use? Is it not going to break when you use it? What is the traction like? What are the hazards around it? What is the sort of greater feeling of the, the space that you're in? So there's a lot of details that we may gloss over because when you're out in the world and you're in a public space versus not, if it's natural versus urban, these are all factors too, but we'll elaborate on those soon. So check that the place is safe. Make sure that you are comfortable with your ability with what you're trying to do. If you're in a place where there's not a lot of people around you, this is good and bad. So you have witnesses and then those witnesses may be able to help you if you do get in a sticky situation. I personally find it sometimes quite distracting when I have a lot of witnesses. I don't feel I I'm often go out of my bounds of ability, so I can be fine with what I'm doing without needing it to be put on some kind of level or judged. So, but that does have the benefit of if things go wrong, people may be able to help you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, good humans. So safety is a big one. Checking your, your spots, your traction, if you're using something that is older or not so strong, this is obviously considering the general respect of the place that you're playing with, that you're interacting with. You want to make sure that you're not going to make it any worse or have any kind of disrespect for the spot that you're in, and you want to make sure that you get the benefit of using it. So is it stable? Would it serve the purpose that you're looking for? And is the space around it a place that is safe? So something as simple as let's say, misstepping a jump or sliding off a surface that was slippery or you didn't land the technique very well, you need to make sure that you can recover safely to continue training, to continue having fun and exploring the environment. Um, other factors as well, I'd say, are sort of to see if you are out and it is worthwhile for you to be conscious of what kind of environment you're in. So I definitely do not, like I don't, do not condone entering private property. But most of the time, this is pretty easy to see. Things will be fenced off, there'll be signs. Uh, many places will have uh, authorities around guarding it. Especially in South Africa where mm. things are a lot more secure than maybe yeah. other places in Europe or America where you have a bit, bit more freer access than here. Yeah, so most of the, the environments we'll find ourselves around here are pretty clearly defined. Um, or they'll have an, an element of danger to them that will be quite logical to, let's say, an average street smart South African person. But yeah, private property, definitely a no-go. I mean, you may be able to um, have a part of someone's private property that is part of public space as well. But usually this is a separate sort of bylaw contractual thing that they may have. And for the most part, it's not really worth spending too much time or interacting with someone's property because 
you are technically depending on the bylaws that are in that area, in that spot, essentially breaking the law. I mean, it's pretty, pretty straightforward, but it is something to consider. So if you're doing something like parkour, which may look very unconventional, it, it literally does look like you're just climbing up and potentially being a vandal, especially if you're not careful with your technique, and especially if you're not aware of potential damage you're doing to the stuff. So keep aware of that. So try to do most of this kind of exploration in a place where you feel you're not going to ruffle some feathers that you shouldn't because it's all about you know, respecting the place, respecting the people who use that place and getting more from that place than perhaps could be seen by someone who's not really interested in that kind of way of interacting with it. Um, so I think in future we'll have a lot more info about the specific laws about how to navigate that, but essentially you don't want to be uh, dealing with authorities in any bad way. You want them to be able to keep to themselves and you want to stay safe and encourage people to sort of use their environment, not just as something to walk over or ignore, as a way to get a bit of fitness and strength, maybe even some some deeper meaning to what's around them. Because I think that's, that's quite lacking with a lot of uh, population going from A to B without thinking about what's around them. But that's without going into the, the idea of sort of how public spaces are designed and cityscapes and things like that. So yeah. So, I mean, for me, it, it kind of makes sense to think of these things. So Mike, I'm gonna turn it on you just a little bit. So you're, you've been focusing a bit more on some of your parkour training lately. Mm -hmm. And we in the last month or so have had quite a good number of good sessions. parkour sessions where we've drilled sometimes, where we've explored sometimes. So have, has, it, has anything stood out to you in those last few times when you're going to these places? Like now it's just, just from generally, give Justin a chance to have his beer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, just from generally getting more and more into the parkour training is, um, I guess, that parkour vision developing. So whenever I'm out on a walk, I'm always looking for something where I can interact and find a little spot that maybe offers um, something, part of my training that I'm looking to do. Like we walk past some rails today, which are part of my daily sort of walk. And I just do a bit of balance on that, but there's not much else around there. So it's just a balancing spot. Mm. And it's just now trying to find spots that offer different things that I can interact with in a different way. So I need trying to find somewhere that maybe lets me practice vaults, um, lets me drill some climb-ups, which are probably the hardest things to find, areas with good walls that you can practice on and you're not going to annoy someone because you're actually climbing over their boundary wall and upsetting them because those are the ones that look the best. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's just trying to find things that actually, knowing where sort of the holes in training are and trying to find things that will let you actually build those up and find the spot close by that you can practice on. And then when going to new spots, it's just, it's just spending some time walking around and warming up and looking for the things as you do them and seeing what develops as, the, as you warm up and you know what you can do. So trying to find those things to start on and sort of jumps like that, balances, and then maybe push, find something that maybe calls to you at a later stage once you're feeling fresh. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that 
when someone especially is getting more into the training and they start to have that parkour vision, that's one of probably the most profound things you can do when you do. I mean, it doesn't just apply to parkour, but again, I've, I found it happens very easily and frequently in parkour. But seeing the environment with a different eye, that's what's going to be the main determinant of how you go about it. So I think it's a good chance to kind of go over into how the environment plays on you. And, and what I mean is when you're going out to, to explore or to train or to investigate an area, uh, it could be, you know, a space that has a fair amount of obstacle density. So there's a lot of things within a small space you can, you can interact with. Some walls, some levels, maybe some rails if you're lucky, um, things like that. But sometimes these obstacles will be sparse and you can use it as part of a route on a walk or around mm. whatever it is. Or you can integrate it into, uh, let's say, a training that you want to do that is a bit more focused on one modality. So that's really great. So I think what you mentioned now with the park of vision and um, certain things calling to you, one thing that is quite a big split when it comes to you're going to a, an area to train that is outdoors or whether it's nat natural or, or urban, is how do you sort of adapt to the environment versus making the environment adapt to what your goals are? Mm. And I feel like this will happen, both of those things will happen. So especially when you're starting to learn more of the techniques and you're getting the feel for some of the base mechanics of the, the rhythms and the flows and how to control your verticality, you'll start to feel a lot more, you may be the kind of person that is drawn to drilling things and kind of making sure you get to a really good, strong level of base techniques before you expand that. So that's great. So I would say that that's a combination of, you know, this is what you want to achieve. And so you can find these things by looking around what's around you that's appropriate for you to do. Of course, some things would be great if you have you know, an environment where you can facilitate what you want to train, an indoor space, maybe a spot that has some softer areas if you need it. But for the most part, you can, you can progress really well with a lot of very good base techniques. Mm. And when I say base techniques, it doesn't mean you're limited. If you can really do well with your base techniques, especially early on, what that grows to can be immense. So base techniques are really good to focus on and it's easy to find that with different heights of structures of walls and things once you get the more comfortable with your balance and how to control direction changes mm -hmm. and all these things. So when you start to get more of this parkour vision, sometimes you'll, you'll go out with no particular plan in place. So you're not necessarily looking to practice one particular thing and you're not necessarily looking to find something that suits your intention for that day. It doesn't, I wouldn't say it happens too often with many people, but if that starts to happen, I'd say it's a good sign. Because what happens now is you're allowed your, your techniques and your ability and your trust in yourself to get to a point where, maybe I'm just having faith in it, but you allow the environment to call to you. And I think this happens with several other things, but I know that in rock climbing, it's been spoken about as well, where you know where you need to go, or you know the general idea of what it is you're doing. And so, because you have an ability, a capability, you're, you're ready to 
investigate how many different ways you can do this thing or what is the way that me, myself, Mike, or me, myself, Justin, whatever it is, can achieve this thing. So when you're going into an environment and there's no set thing that you have planned or particular thing you want to drill, your creative thinking can go through the roof. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, but for the most part, it's, it's amazing. So you'll go to an area and like you said, things will call to you. And this is a really powerful thing. Things will not call to you if they're not within your grasp. Either you can do them and you can make it a bit more smooth, a bit more efficient, a bit more graceful, a bit more at a point with high work rate, or it will call to you in a sense of it's on the cusp of your ability to do it. And, and in order for you to do this thing, will either require a bit of focus or to require a bit more training, maybe someone there to, to be with you, to give you a bit of comfort and support, to know that you'll be safe if things go wrong. But this, again, is kind of usually what happens later on when you're trying out this way of training. So allowing the environment to almost force you in a way to adapt to it is a very, very great concept to work with and to train with. And I would definitely recommend not just in a parkour sense, but for people wherever possible to, to think about this. So we're so used to doing what we want when we train. We have this specific thing in mind. And that's actually, it's, it's amazing. Humans are really smart, good, keep doing those things. But if you are out of practice with being creative with the way that you think about how to achieve something, or you don't go with a mindset of, I'm going to make this thing do what I want it to do, as opposed to the other way around. You're missing a big link with what it means to improve yourself, not just physically, but mentally, even so far as to say spiritually to some degree. Okay, So that's definitely something I've experienced many times. Like anything, you can sit down at a drum kit and just jam for an hour and just yeah. you're just hitting toms and cymbals and going. Or And then other days, and that's great, and you've come up with a sick part and some cool grooves, and now you have these cool grooves that you can pull out next mm. time you play with someone. But then there the other days, you have to sit down, you have to do your paradiddles, you have to do yeah. your rudiments and just go and do the drills, and you have to sit with a click track doing guitar, you're playing or you're writing, you have to, the days you can just sit and spontaneously the muse comes to you and you will just write, and other days you've got to sit down and sit in front of a page and <laughs> put pen to paper and hope, and just do the reps. So I guess mm. they're, they're, they're both two sides of the coin that you have to, you either have to go out with intention and drill the things so that you can have the creative day and not be hindered by your lack of ability, so to speak. Absolutely. And I think it's it's quite a necessary thing. So exactly what you said now, you you may not know how to navigate something or what you can do. Firstly, without training, without practicing what it is, or building up to a, a level where you you have a movement set or uh, an ability to keep safe or a conditioning level, you may not see that if you don't have that in place, or if something calls to you and it's out of your range it will quickly show you what you're lacking or it may show you that you weren't in, in the best headspace. Mm. And again, that's why I, I think it's good to reiterate how important it is to, to set an intention, not just for an individual time that you're keeping active, but to ask yourself the questions as, what do I want to achieve 
with my body? What kind of freedom do I want? And everyone will have different reasons why they do these things. Um, but it's important to not disregard that you need to have a level of skill and strength uh, for many reasons. To keep you safe, to ensure that you can progress as well, or to allow you just to have the tools that you can have fun with. And, and fun is, is such a good motivator for keeping active. It's... I found this if, as if well. If there was no know. fun, people yeah. would have just, just like, stopped. Yeah. Like, no wonder you, a person won't continue something if it isn't fun. Mm. Like, I have this conversation sometimes with clients that I train also when it comes to the food they eat and dieting. And I, Yes, it takes a bit of discipline and, and hard work sometimes, sometimes <laughs> often some suffering to to recalibrate what it means to eat a certain way or mm -hmm. to train a certain way. But once you can get through that, or if you're in the habit of understanding why that is, there's almost not a, let's say, a meal you'll have, or a training session you'll do, or a, a new skill you're learning where you're not having fun, because you could always link it to some greater purpose, hopefully. Mm. So imagine everything that you're doing, you enjoy doing. I mean, that's, that's, I'd say that's a pretty damn good life to have. Um, not to say that it's some kind of fairy tale that you know, it will always be the case or it shouldn't always be the case. It's definitely yin and yang with mm -hmm. everything you do. But at least from a physical point of view, I can definitely say from my experience and from enabling other people to empower themselves, if you have a bit of confidence in yourself and that comes from a, good, a bit of competence, you can unlock so much more. So when you're, let's say, doing something like parkour, you can see the world around you differently and you can enjoy it and you can enjoy it in a way that is not reckless and if you have the right intention if you have a good self-respect and the respect for the environment that's around you that's a that's a really powerful harmony and before you know it you'll you'll be enjoying everything that you're doing and you will you will find the things that you want to work on without needing some kind of validation and i think if you can get that alongside you know, your, your more traditional forms of keeping strong and keeping conditioned, you've got a really good recipe for a balanced approach to how you use your body mm. and what you use it for. So, yeah, that's pretty sweet. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Deep insights. Whew. <laughs> Weren't expecting to go there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so I guess building off that would be, and strength and skill would be how that sort of affects the spot you choose and... Um, what what you're able to do and what you can see and what to look for. Absolutely. I mean, it's not as if someone who pursues this kind of training necessarily is seeking thrill or crazy stunts. You're you're moving your body and you're you're being curious in a way in order to answer some question, whatever that question is. And by going through that process, you you may be not just deepening what you're doing, but broadening that as well. Um, there's a good chance you're doing both. It will get you to think about things differently, and that's that's a big difference as well. So the more you can align the way that you think about something and your actual ability to do it, the more likely it is that you'll enjoy it and benefit from it. So... Parkour, as 
sometimes it can be represented as this crazy, well, often has this crazy thing, and it, it really can be. People with high levels can do some amazing Phenomenal. shit. Like, it's, it's true, and I've seen it, and I've, to a much less degree, I have experienced some of that. But parkour is something that you can use for pretty much any form of navigating your environment. So someone who is absolutely a different profile to someone like me will be drawn to different things. But they can be experiencing similar ways of thinking, similar sort of physical epiphanies, if you must, if you want to give it a term, without needing to do what I'm doing. So a jump for me, which would be bonkers for someone else to try, makes absolute sense. And that's actually great. And that's why it is so important for so many people to to try it out to some degree. Mm. Um, and of course, people will have different forms of injuries and limitations before, during, and after doing the kind of training. And it will give you the chance to, again, utilize some creative thinking. Just be because you have a limitation doesn't mean you cannot do something, even if it seemingly doesn't look like much. Because hopefully, and this is why... I think it's good to have good coaching with something as powerful as parkour mm. is that you want to make sure that if someone is leading you or if someone's introducing you to this, they, they can sort of try and hopefully get you to understand sort of, again, those, those deeper questions. Because if you, if you do it wrong, if you do it with the wrong intention or you doubt yourself too much in any one time, things can go wrong pretty easily. So I think it's worth having that, that clarity and that, the guidance, if you can. Find yourself a good parkour coach. <laughs> when it comes to natural, more natural environments versus more urban environments, there's, there's quite a big difference. So fundamentally, the concept is the same. It's finding things to interact with and to work on some skills or explore whatever mm. it is. And I'm, I think I'm fortunate in that I have a fairly good choice of natural environments around almost to more of a degree than the urban environments I have around. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a, a slew of pros and cons with both. Natural environments, they are, nat of course, much more complex. Mm -hmm. And all the surfaces that you could interact with are of many different textures. I would say moisture affects surfaces in nature a lot more unpredictably than yeah. in urban. You, you, you know how a tile is going to... Yeah. React. Yeah, there's only. You know, all tiles will generally react the same in mm, some mm, way. Exactly. Yeah, a rock could be still be completely dry. Sandstone would remain dry versus something that's mossy will. Mm. Or, uh, again, a granite rock will become a mild death trap. Exactly. Stay tree, away from tree smooth, smooth bark, everybody. Yeah. A, a stripped tree, be careful of those. The roots, the bottom can be super slippy. So, yeah, they, they will automatically provide a lot more variation compared to an urban environment most of the time. And purely by having different angles and different textures in, in a space like that requires you to be a lot more conscious of it. Mm. There's a pretty good chance that I or let's say many other people who practice this won't be able to do the same size jumps or the depth of some maneuvers in a more natural environment than an urban environment. Um, which is actually great because even though it doesn't look necessarily as spectacular, it does force you to be a lot more tactile, 
a lot more prepared and a lot more skillful with placing your hands and what's going to hit you, different frictions on your body, being willing to mm-hmm. catch yourself, things like that. So I've been fortunate that I'd say at least half of the training I've done with this mindset of sort of a parkour vision has been in a natural environment. So with all the trail running that I've done, it kind of almost fitted well into it naturally. And foot placement and striding and bigger jumps, the odd climbing or something every now and then would just be what I'd do. Mm. So it kind of helped me to lay a foundation of that. That could be part of why I enjoy it so thoroughly. I mean, this is besides all the the other greater effects that being in nature has for you. So definitely something that is, if you're not careful, will also be pretty dangerous. It's a little less predictable than an urban environment. The one thing I can say, though, which is also probably why I've spent a fair amount of time in nature, is you deal with a lot less authorities mm. and generally less people around, which, again, can be dangerous. But if you if you know what you're doing, if you progressive, and you have some, it's okay. And you have some mates with you then. Yeah, especially, again, us street, let's say street-wise South Africans, yeah. we... Go in a group. Okay, I'm a little silly sometimes. I'll go... Mano e mano. <laughs> I'm, I'm even worse. I'll go after <laughs> the storm of the century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's exclude birthday challenges. Yeah. <laughs> no, just generally. And you'll generally be with a smaller group that, you know, is with you and you can be there. And you'll find less distracting crowds or witnesses around you most of the time, depending where you go. This is good or bad. I definitely preferred, for me personally, I'm, I don't like to exhibit too much for me it's 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 an internal force that Mm. gets me to do this um but yeah in terms of navigating sort of the laws of private space and public areas and interfering with other people being out on a trail or a forest or some of the the mountainside even in some beaches areas you'll generally have less issue unless you're disturbing someone or putting someone at risk. And it's easy enough to move 100 meters down and carry on doing what you're doing. Exactly. It's way easier to to continue along um, and see what else there is. And if all things fail, you just turn it into a a nice stroll in nature. Take a walk. and Mm. I guess also if if parkour is the the way to efficiently move from point A to point B, um, then there is a chance that you are going to be your, your point A and point B <laughs> are going to be in urban and yes. natural environments, depending mm. how you live your life. But eventually you are going to end up in natural environments. So train in those sort of environments. Absolutely. And because it's more complex and generally more tricky to navigate natural structures like trees and rocks and mm. angles and mud and sand and solid and not solid, those painful stones that come out of nowhere and stub your toe or poke you on your planter area if you're barefoot or with minimal shoes, they will teach you some lessons. And those lessons and, again, the tactile sensory feedback you get from improving yourself in those kinds of environments, when I, again, train in something that's a bit more static, like more urban settings, Mm -hmm. I feel much more in tune much more skillful it's quite it's interesting because like i said before most urban environments you'll be able to do sort of 
bigger movements, probably more impact, things like that. It's a bit of other end of the scale. So I think it's it's a good way to easily bring some balance to this kind mm. of training as well. So spend some time in environments where you have to be soft. You can't do your biggest jumps where small sensory things with your feet or your hands or the texture of what you're on will determine whether or not you can even climb it or move along it or do a certain move. And that's really good. And that, I think that applies, again, to trail running and other ways of moving in nature. So it's, I really enjoy it. I think it's really good for someone to do. Mm. And it has a lot of benefits. The cons are certainly there. There's other dangers. You may even be in, in a space where, you know, there's dangerous animals around, snakes, things like spiders, things like that. So it's, it's worth, again, to apply, especially if you're going with the intention to train and not just meander, to, again, same rules apply. Check Always everything's check safe. Yeah. That even if it's the same thing you've been to before, and this applies to both kinds of environments, check that thing. You don't know if since you've been there last, the conditions are different. Yeah, especially with trees and dead branches and yeah. cracked branches. Absolutely. And the, the more you, you do it and the more you're open to it, the more you'll, you'll spot the signs that show you that there's a change or that you need to be careful. And I really enjoy that about being out there as well. Um, so definitely pros and cons there. The urban environment, I'd say a pro of it is, again, that the structures that you're going to interact with are a lot more geometric in general. And they'll, they'll often have more grip depending on what kind of surfaces you have. And so the training that you'll do there, I would say, will give you a lot more chance to drill, to focus on a specific mm. thing, or to help you to understand how to approach a particular challenge because the lines that you're seeing are a bit more linear. Gaps that you can see are a bit more measurable if you want to measure mm -hmm. it. Almost say a bit more flowy because you're less restricted by yeah. ex external forces being thrown at you. So you know that every time you grab on that rail, it's going to be the same mm. sort of grip. There's not going to be a gnarl somewhere. <laughs> yeah, some like nail a, tree. an inch to the right or exactly. something. and that entire wall is the same material or same surface and you can mm. interact with it more artistically, I guess, than mm. you can still do it in nature, but there's just a lot more being thrown at you. Mm. So and almost your brain is working 40% to figure out all the other obstacles yeah. while trying to be artistic and flowy, whereas maybe in your sort of like 20% is just keeping an eye on your surfaces in an urban environment. Yeah, it almost, it's not so black and white, but it takes you back to sort of, are you there to be creative or are you there to drill? And both areas can tick both boxes. But like Mike is saying now, when you have an environment, let's say more urban, more easy to establish what a line is, what the space is, it will give you a chance to, to almost force yourself to some way interact with that in, in different ways. So if you can get by in a natural setting and get from A to B, that's pretty good. And there's usually, not always, usually less options to get from A to B that are completely safe. So if you have a setting where it's a bit more urban and it's not a crazy high rooftop mm. where there's a plummet, you can generally find different ways to navigate A to B 
because it's easier to spot where you want to go. So again, it's it's not like to say one is better than the other. I I'd say it, it is good to do both. And in fact, the, the founders of Parkour back in the eighties they happened to do a lot of both. Uh, some of the training took part in a forest south in the south of Paris, and most of the environments that you would see, especially from older footage and even lately, would be urban environments. It's mm -hmm. definitely got that that street culture to it, that urban setting, the the style. So, but don't be fooled. It, it definitely did not and is not only urban. Yeah. The concepts transcend the spot, and that's very important as well. Super important to remember. So that's a pretty broad strokes view and what to look for in a spot and how to interact with spots when you're going out and training. So thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Just Move Podcast. Keep on the moves. Live and in person. Live and in, in person. In person, yeah. not live. Recorded. With a distance. <laughs> Socially. Thanks, Mike. Yes, definitely keep on the move and we'll speak soon. Sweet. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.